Welcome to the Broward County Planning Council Monthly Meeting, webcast live from the Broward County Government Center, located in downtown Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The fundamental role of the council is to promote coordinated, comprehensive, long-range planning throughout Broward County through the joint cooperation and participation of local governments, public officials, and private citizens. And now, the monthly meeting of the Broward County Planning Council.
Right. We're going to change. We're just going to change. Right. Uh, we do. We do need a two-minute break just to be two able to change break. the equipment. That answers that one. <laughs> we'll be right back, Mr. Fisher. Let the heal, let the healing begin. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I need to figure out a way to get my rubber band back. I'm losing it. I'm really losing it with my commission. Yeah, I know. I know.
Good morning. We're going to start the meeting if everyone can take their seat. Chair DiGiorgio has requested. Mr. DiGiorgio feels like he's at home. Please take your seat. Good morning, everyone. Anybody got a book? I mean, I'm like one of the tallest people here. Okay. We're going to call the February 22nd, 2024 Broward County Planning Council meeting to order. We are a little bit late starting at 10.08. So let's stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. And if we can, Commissioner Castillo, please lead us. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Excellent. Welcome, everybody. Good morning. Karen, please call the roll. Ms. Jessica Abramson? Here. Mayor Felicia Brunson? Here. Commissioner Angelo Castillo? Yes. Ms. Denise B. Fernandez? Here. Commissioner Lamar P. Fisher? Here. Mayor Michelle J. Gomez? Good morning. Ms. Ryan Greenberg? Present. Mayor Rex Hardin? Here. Mr. Easton K. Harrison? Present. Councilmember Denise Appleby Horland? Here. Mayor Josh Levy? Commissioner Letitia Newbold? Here. Commissioner Jackie Raley? Here. Mr. David Rosanoff? Here. Mayor Michael J. Ryan? Present. Mr. Steve Worthman? Here. School Board Member Alan Zeman? Here. Mr. Thomas H. DiGiorgio, Jr. I am here. You have a quorum. We do have a quorum. It's great to see everybody here. This is a full house today. This is awesome. I love it. Mr. Worthman, if you will join me at the podium, please. While they're walking down, we do usually have uh, the oath of office on the monitor, but we're having a little restart update problem, but uh, we have a paper copy, not to worry. The good old paper copy. I saw, I saw you scrambling. Let me add this up there. I thought that was in your folder. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I do solemnly swear that I will support, protect, and defend the Constitution and government of the United States and of the state of Florida. I do solemnly swear that I will support, protect, and defend the Constitution and government of the United States and of the state of Florida. That I am duly qualified to hold office under the Constitution of the state and the Charter of Broward County. That I am duly qualified to hold office under the Constitution of the state and the Charter of Broward County. And that I will well and faithfully perform the duties of a member of the Broward County Planning Council on which I am now about to enter, so help me God. And I will well and faithfully perform the duties of a member of the Barrow County Planning Council on which I am now about to enter. So help me God. Welcome aboard. <laughs> this is not your first time, I uh, It is not. Thank you, uh, um, Chairman DiGiorgio and, and members. Uh, I'm glad to be back. Uh, Barbara correctly calculated that my first uh, stint on the Planning Council, I was 22 years old. Wow. So I'm, I'm a little older than that now, but 
uh, and spent some time working for Broward County, my, uh, my boss up there, uh, Commissioner Angelo Castillo. And finally, I just want to thank uh, Commissioner Fern and his staff for his appointment. I look forward to working with you. Excellent. Thank Welcome. you. Let's Scoot together like you like each other. Okay. Congratulations, Mr. Worthman. Welcome aboard again. Um, consent agenda, anything to add or change? Uh, yes. I, I'd like to add um, the acceptance of the additional agenda material that was provided to you yesterday. That was the excused absence request for Mayor Levy, um, a copy of the 10-year affordable housing master plan, and then also um, Andy's legislative update. So I would add that um, those three items to your consent agenda. Excellent. Do I have a motion? So moved. Second. I have a motion from I think it was Commissioner Castillo and a second from Mayor Gomez to approve the consent agenda. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Thank you. Item R one. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, I, before we start the regular agenda, I'd like to just, just suggest a, a reorder. First, also, I want to recognize uh, Commissioner Fisher is online um, on the Zoom meeting. Yes, we heard. Um, so I would just like to suggest that we take item R1, item R3, the Council's report. I don't really have an Executive Director's report today. And then item PH1, that way um, any votes that you need to have taken will be before uh, Mr. Stone makes the um, affordable housing master plan presentation. So that would dispense it's of a fantastic any, uh, idea. business. Um, okay, with that, um, I would, uh, item R1 is a local planning agency review for a revision to the Broward County Code of Ordinances, Chapter 27, Article 5, related to water resource management. The executive <coughs> committee um, had a discussion and made a recommendation to find the, uh, the modification um, consistent with the policies of the Broward County Land Use Plan. That is your role as the local planning agency for these local planning agency reviews. 
Um, so they recommended approval. Dr. Jennifer Hurado and Dr. Greg Mount are here from the Resilient Environment Department. Um, if there, um, if you want to have any discussion or any other questions. Is there any additional questions from what we heard in the presentation at the Executive Committee for Dr. Arado or staff? Any further discussion from this board? We'll entertain a motion. Motion approved. Second. We have a motion from Councilmember Horland, and I believe it was Ms. Well, I'm sorry, Ms. Greenberg. Excellent. Um, we have a motion to second. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Thank you. Thank you for your presentation this morning, Dr. Rado. It was great. Thank you. And we will forward the council's recommendation to the county commission for their consideration of the ordinance. Excellent. Item R3, council's report. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, you have a, a copy of a kind of a brief summary of some of the land use growth management bills being considered by the legislature this session. Um, the, the things sometimes come out pretty fast and furious. Uh, even during this time when I originally posted the, the memo, we've had uh, another change in, in one of the bills. That, uh, the problem being that when the, the way legislative bills are, are, are drafted, you have the strike through and underline so you can see what happened from the existing bill. But they, there is no, when, when they keep amending the amendment, there is no such uh, help. So you have to kind of sit there line by line or, you know, through the computer and see what changes they make to the changes. And that happens, that can happen pretty fast. Uh, and thus it was with the uh, a bill that I think uh, it gets a lot of attention properly so is a live local bill for affordable housing. Uh, that bill uh, when I, uh, was revised on the 19th. Um, and I want to just summarize where the proposed amendment changes the existing law to give you an idea of what's happening, because this is a kind of a, something of critical importance for the state. Uh, the bill has a number of preemptions of local authority for the purpose of promoting affordable housing. Uh, the first one I wanted to note is a process uh, uh, provision. As you know, the original Live Local bill provided that uh, uh, as long as the criteria were met, the, the uh, application had to be approved administratively, thus taking it out of the governing body's authority, which you're used to doing as, a, as every city commissioner here and, uh, knows that the site plans, major, major developments come before the city commission for review and, and approval. Uh, they, it was indicated that it had to be approved administratively. Uh, not satisfied with that, the, uh, a, a tweak, uh, and I, that's probably not the proper word for it, uh, everyone will choose their own, has been made in the bill that indicates that not only must it be approved administratively, but no public hearing mm -hmm. or any further review by a quasi-judicial board is required as long as it meets the requirements. So, Eliminating a public, which is frankly contrary to another statute, but this, you know, it seems amending it. We have a statute requiring a public hearing on every, every commissioner knows on uh, the pay rates for the court goes before a public hearing, but there will be no public hearing on this. And no quasi-judicial hearing as long as it meets all the other criteria of your land development code, which is hard to get your head around since the purpose of a quasi-judicial hearing is to determine if all the requirements of the land development code are met. So they're taking that tool away. 
Uh, it's going to create some interesting things, uh, arguments for appellate lawyers because there's a different standard of review for quasi-judicial versus other things. That is not addressed. It just says that, and they go on to the next section. So we'll have to ferret that out, and a lot of discussions being had. Uh, uh, there is a, a, a change, a, a new, another significant change is, re remember the first bill, the, the, the areas of preemption were uh, land use category, you know, whether it was permitted use, height, uh, there was something on parking, uh, but now they've added floor area ratio. So uh, floor area ratio cannot be restricted uh, below 150% of the currently highest allowed FAR under the land development regulations for the particular jurisdiction. So that's another change uh, proposed. Uh, there are changes with regard to the height requirement. Um, uh, it, originally, just read now that any the height requirement would be the highest height permitted in your city, your county, wherever the jurisdiction. Now there is an exception there that it's not quite so unlimited if it's next to, adjacent to, and it's a very strict definition of an adjacent to. If there's a road, it's not adjacent to it. Um, a residential development they define residential development. Uh, uh, the original version indicated uh, with aspirational and, you know, uh, urging uh, governmental entities to consider parking reductions to incentivize affordable housing. Now it is required, a required reduction is, is stated, a 20% reduction under most circumstances, and a total elimination of parking requirements, yeah. to the word eliminate, uh, if you're uh, in a transportation uh, uh, area. This is, these are all really big, big deals. So we're <laughs> going to get through it and we'll open up the discussion. We're not going to be able to solve it today, but it's important. We're not going to solve it because this could yeah. become a four-hour meeting today, but we're going to have to take this back to our cities and make sure everyone understands the magnitude of this and the ramifications of this. Because we thought, many of us who put these transportation overlay cars in place, thought we were doing the right thing. That's actually going to backfire on some of the cities that have done this preemptively. So go ahead. No, exactly. And the bill clarifies that if a city or county wants to do more and have more bonus densities and things, so that's what you can do it. And again, it says, but if the city chooses to do it, it has to be. It can only be approved administratively. So the concept is, as you can see, there is a, there's a theme here, and the theme is uh, speed and approval, and you'll see that in some of the other bills we'll talk about. I mean, it's, it's, they're consistent on this. Uh, the theme is rapid review and approval, no delays, and where possible, uh, not have it go to the governing body. Or the public. Uh, or this is public, which is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it is that bad, Michelle, yeah. but let's, let's let Andy get through so it. That's, so that's live local. Uh, let's go on to uh, House Bill 791. Uh, really, what, what this bill, again, the theme, rapid approval, no delays of the development. And it's understandable. It's, of course, the developer time is money. It, you know, that, that, that's true. Uh, requiring approvals of applications uh, within, if it's not a quasi-judicial hearing, 120 days from completion, the application being complete, and if it's a quasi-judicial hearing, 180 days. So that's the one change I wanted to point on that. Uh, 
the Everglades Protection Bill. Um, if, uh, if a project is within close proximity, in or close proximity of, of the Everglades, a special required review for the Department of, of Environmental Protection. Um, uh, that, uh, so that's uh, SB uh, 1364. Now, uh, House Bill 1221 is, uh, deals with land development regulations and comprehensive planning, and it also is chock full of, of, of interesting provisions. Um, there are some new definitions, including my favorite, which is the definition of urban sprawl, uh, which is defined to mean an unplanned or uncontrolled development pattern. That's it. That's the definition. So I don't know how many people we up here we have up here, but I think the amount of people up here would have that many different opinions on what that means. Um, so you're, good luck as you interpret that. Um, there is also within our wheelhouse changes to uh, comprehensive planning elements. Uh, it removes consideration of community goals and vision as a separate component of the local government review. Um, so, so much for uh, community goals and vision. Um, and it allows applicants to collect their own data and removes the ability, uh, there used to be language in here, or there is right now until this happens, uh, that the municipality can use its own data collection methods and things of that sort. It seems to take that away. And so it's granted to the applicant, but the, the, the ability of the municipality is somewhat restricted. Uh, so uh, that's, that's another change. And uh, another one is that, this will sound familiar, if someone is making an application in an infill area, well, they've again changed the process, and I think you all know where we're going with this, it must be administratively approved. So that again would take the governing body out of it. Um, I, I, I don't know how they're going to use the term small scale anymore, but the proposal is that small scale amendments, which are now 50 acres or less, uh, are 150 acres or less. Hmm. So it, the expedited, again, expedited approval process for comprehensive planning amendments, uh, which would we used to be 10, then it was raised to 50. And now it's a, uh, they, they, you know, they, they went up multiple of five, now within multiples of three, so you're up to 150. Uh, uh, a provision with regard to self-storage facilities, a number of municipalities, very common, uh, municipalities have distance requirements so you wouldn't have too many storage facilities next to each other. Um, now, uh, if there are, if, if a present storage facility would like to build another storage facility next to it, uh, if it's owned by the same body, entity, uh, those distance requirements, you know, they're counted, even though they look totally different, but they're owned by the same person and next to each other, the distance requirements aren't applicable any longer. Um, and then um, an interesting one here is that uh, a decision by a municipal Historic Preservation Board, um, the decision of that board is now appealable to the county commission. Uh, so uh, that's, a, that's another interesting, uh, that most of the, you know, they're not used to. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that the county's actually in this authority, but. I mean, just, to, just to emphasize, that's a municipal 
Historical Preservation Board gets to appeal to the county commission. Right. That's exactly. Uh, another bill that I've mentioned, and the, the final one, uh, is that uh, it's, it's, it's Senate Bill 684. Now, a few days ago, there was House Bill 665 on the same subject, same exact subject, that made some changes to it. So we have kind of two bills going through uh, on that. But generally saying the provisions that I wanted to talk about the most were that uh, a real focus is on the difference between a preliminary plat, uh, 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 the, the plat approval process, which we're not there other than looking at traffic ways. We don't get involved here. The preliminary plat stage is discussed at greater length and the final plat stage. But at the preliminary plat stage, um, <coughs> they're creating vested rights now. In, in, so that developer has vested rights at the preliminary plat stage. The, the developer, as long as they do a couple of things here, as set forth in here, can pull as many building permits as they wish prior to final plat approval, as long as they, they, they become unoccupied and they post bond and they, they do a few other things. So that's a big change. And then there is language in here which I think needs to be fleshed out, but uh, that basically says that vested rights can, can be obtained at the preliminary plat stage. And if anyone is familiar with, at least in, in, in Broward County, a lot happens after preliminary plat, a lot. If you're a developer, the developer would be happy to tell you. Uh, but it's, it's a heck of a process, but uh, it's, that was referred to in this other bill. So everyone, there's a lot of discussions going on. I anticipate a lot of changes to these as we're going through the process. They come fast and furious. Uh, but there are things I think uh, those involved in these areas uh, would do well to take, uh, take key to and have some interest in the progress of all of these. And uh, again, I'll, I don't want to prolong this too long. I'll be happy to answer any questions if you have during the week and want to give me a call uh, or any questions that anyone might have present. Specific questions today. Commissioner Castillo. Thank you for that presentation. I'd love to get a copy of those notes at some point, but uh, uh, I, excellent presentation. We said they sent it out yesterday. Back up. I haven't seen it yet. Um, as you were talking about Live Local, I was uh, fever, feverishly scratching some numbers here because uh, there seems to be uh, a craze out there about Live Local, Live Local, like, like it's some sort of horrible disease. And I have to tell you that uh, even though it's being imposed and even though it has, it has some challenges, there are certain practical things that will not change. I want to give you, an, I want to give you a very clear example of this. Because what I'm seeing is I'm seeing city commissions using live local as a uh, as a reason to rezone a whole bunch of property and and, and all this and I, I I just think that's a step too far. Take take for example a five acre vacant parcel in Pembroke Pines and let's say that that five acre parcel the owner wants five million dollars for it, which in our community is we're mostly a forward real estate area, and that's not a stretch for a five-acre parcel. And let's say that somebody wants to build 100 affordable units there, just 100, which would pretty much fit on a five-acre parcel. And let's say that those affordable units would go for about 1,200 bucks a piece on average, some a little bit more, some a little bit less, depending on, on, how, on how it's set up to, to meet affordability. So quick numbers is that that comes in at about $120,000 in income against the um, uh, oh, and it is going to cost 
$200 a door, $200,000 a door to, 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 to build this structure. Let's just say it's about $200,000 a door. So you got $20,000 in construction and $5,000 in, 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 in building costs, $25,000 for the project, roughly. Let's just say that's rough, okay? Against an income of $120,000 a year, which is, you know, 1,200 times 100. And if you could get a bank loan rate at 6.83, which nobody's gonna get for an affordable housing project, uh, it's, the interest rate is gonna be higher. Uh, your 30-year your fixed rate payment is going to be $163,000 against your $120,000 just in, in income. And the, and the reason I mentioned so you're already upside down. And the, by 12, yeah, I know, I understand. But, 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 but what I'm saying is these projects come in upside down just as you pencil them out. So, and let's forget about the fact that we actually need some of this housing. So I think that there's a reaction to this that needs to be tempered by what actually sort of are, are, are the facts of it. And I'm not 100% sure we're, uh, we're, we're looking at it uh, correctly. In certain cases, live local is a tool. And in certain, certain cases, live local can be a burden. And I think that it, it depends on many, many different scenarios, not the least of which is location, not the least of which is practicality, not the least of which is the ability to partner. There's a lot, there's a lot that's going on here. But this knee-jerk reaction that live local is this evil thing isn't necessarily the case, in my opinion. I offer that for the good of the whole. Further conversation? Questions for Andy? Barb, I see you had your hand up. Did you want to? Oh, I just wanted to just add to the Live Local conversation is that the county planning staff did a survey of all the cities, and I'll be happy to share that with you about uh, how many inquiries they've actually had pre-application meetings for Live Local, and I, the numbers are surprisingly zero, and uh, about 98%. Um, so figure. I'll be happy to share that table, those results, uh, just so that you guys can get a feel for what the cities have reported, um, what they've been saying. That was it. Excellent. Thank you. Um, thanks for the comments. Commissioner Castillo, um, in the 30 plus years Angela and I have been serving on different boards together, this is probably the first time we really disagree. <laughs> um, because I, I see this as, as penalizing cities that have taken forward, forward thinking action on affordable housing uh, more than ours because the, they don't have, they've already have devalued properties in certain areas that they're trying to change. 31st Avenue in Pompano Beach is a perfect example. They've taken real action there to create an overlay district there. They've taken real action there to change and create a mixed income, mixed use community, which is, which in my opinion can be affected terribly by this because the land is still very, very cheap. Um, your math, you forgot the times it by 12 because you said 1200, which is a monthly rental rate I think you took. So that's actually it's actually $1.44 million against the 163000 No, no, 163000 is your monthly payment. Yeah, uh, well, so... On $25 million. Okay, so I think there's other incentives that they will go for, which is the, which is the tax incentives that they will get for these projects to do. And, and what, for instance, Pompano Beach has tried to do, they've tried to create area restrictions where you can continue to put affordable housing on top of other affordable housing. I think everybody's seen the Harvard study that came out in 2014. It talks about mm -hmm. mixed income and mixed income developments, how that's so important. That's why we as this, this body have been really trying to demand that in market rate housing projects, we insist that there's affordable housing projects Everywhere. because the same income of that family 
growing up in a mixed income development as opposed to a few affordable, uh, affordable development is dramatically different the next generation. So I think we've got to be very careful with creating pockets of, of lower income. And I think that's what we, this body, has been trying to do and many municipalities have been trying to uh, do over the time. So the knee-jerk reaction, I think, is we probably don't need to have a knee-jerk reaction, but we have to be very thoughtful. And when I say make sure the municipalities and your staff really understands this, it's really important that we do that. So I appreciate the report, uh, Council. And it, yeah, it, it just sum up, I think, you know, and again, on these matters, where you stand depends on, on where you sit sometimes, is that uh, from a local perspective, you know, you, there's a fine line and everyone would have to make their own judgment where they draw that line between mm. providing these type of incentives, which are, are needed. We understand it's a crisis. Um, and uh, taking away the, the, the authority of the local the governments who are really dealing with, who are put, uh, as you indicated, a city can spend a lot of time on a plan and, and it's well thought out, it's planned, it's, once it's, it's developed for that particular area in that city and that population. Um, I don't think the state does as good a job at that on doing a one-size-fits-all. And, and so that's the tension that's there, and this is the art of governing ourselves and coming up what is the right balance, and everyone needs to kind of come to their own determination of where that balance needs to be struck. Mm -hmm. Mayor Hart. Yeah, thank, thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, I just want to comment on, on Mr. Castillo, his, his example. And, you know, yeah, it makes sense. Of course it does. But if you change the property value, if you change the interest rate, um, so basically what you're, what you're saying is that you're right. Wealthy communities, you don't have to worry about this. Yeah. But those communities that maybe aren't so wealthy, yeah, they, they got to worry about this. Yeah. Because um, you're, you're talking about concentrating poverty once again in this country, which we've seen over the years that that doesn't have good outcomes. And that's, that's the fear amongst some communities that do have lower property values. Uh, granted, this isn't going to affect Weston, but some, com some communities it will. So yeah, it's, it's not just a knee-jerk reaction, it's a real reaction. Mayor Gomez. It's, thank you. Thank you. I agree with um, Chair DiGiorgio and Mayor Hardin, and while I understand much of what um, Commissioner Castillo is saying, it isn't a knee-jerk reaction. It's been a very educated and long process of we've been talking about affordable housing and the housing issues that we've been having and it hasn't just come up in a month it's been coming up for years mm -hmm. this council has been dealing with it our communities have been dealing with it and then to have what it comes down to somebody from above telling us that we don't know how to do things down south That's or us. anywhere around mm -hmm. in our in our state and saying that the commission and the politics down in the local levels do not know their people and then to say to their people you have no right to say a word Mm. Who are they actually favoring? It sounds like they're favoring more of a developer than they're favoring actually the people who are to benefit, which would be the city and the community and everybody who would be moving in. And a lot of other comments I have to say. So at this point, I would just say my knee-jerk reaction, please don't take it as that. It is a very frustrated, annoyed, aggravated reaction to where we try and try and try, and yet it seems that we're not heard. And instead of getting to center where we need to be to get it to be a smart, actual program that will work for everybody. It's again that pendulum swinging all the way somewhere else that we have to spend all this wasted time trying to fight to get it back to where it should have been in the first place. Thank you. Can you just, just one second? Commissioner Castillo. Thank you very much. I, I agree with everything that's been said. I don't disagree with any of that. 
In my city, it's hard to find a block where every fifth or sixth house, there isn't a 26, 27, 30-year-old person, though they're working, living at home. And the reason, they're working, but they can't afford a place to live. Uh, so they can't start families, they can't move on, and that's why school board member Zeman and his colleagues are looking to close schools. Because when I got to Broward County in 1996, in my city, the challenge was overcrowded schools that were underperforming. Now listen, here comes almost 30 years later, we have under-enrolled schools that are performing much better. The coin completely flipped. And the reason, one of the, one of the major, major reasons is that housing frames family life. Without housing, you can't have a, a, a family financially. So you've got, you've, got, you've got young people in particular, but not just them. There are people who lose a, 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 an income to divorce or death or whatever, or you know, the economy. And the kids are, that they do have are already invested in those communities and they can't leave. I'm a believer that every city should take care of their own. And when, 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 when you go to folks and you tell them, oh, you're going to bring us affordable housing, this is housing for our own kids, from our own cities. They're already with us. It's just that we're going to give them a key. <laughs> and, and, and they're going to pay for it. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't quite see it that way. Uh, and so I think that, I think that the, 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 the discussion has to evolve because it's affecting the socioeconomics of our county. It's changing who we are. And that's why those young people who just don't have those opportunities to stay at home are moving away. So think about this. We invest all of this money in, in, in schools and parks and this and that and playgrounds and all, and all the things that we do for young people. And then when the time comes for them to be an adult, they leave. They have to go somewhere else because they can't afford to start their lives here. And that's, that's just not a sustainable way to proceed. A city that is sustainable is, is, has, an, has, a, has a place for everyone at whatever stage of life they're in. And we don't really have that. We also have seniors that are in need of, of affordable housing. Now, let, me, let me tell you something. We're, we're, we're going to face a huge issue with seniors because of medical science, keeping them alive longer. And the fact is they, most of them, and we'll see this in our lifetime, didn't save up enough in order to afford to retire. So this is going to become more and more of an issue as we move on, and we're going to have to break through some of these uh, challenges. So I look forward to it, and I, and I don't disagree with anything that's been said, but affordable housing is a challenge for every community, and they have to, they have to deal with it on their own basis, and I think that the way to overcome some of the concerns about housing that's affordable is by saying, we're bringing in our own. And if every city chips in their own, uh, their own, in their own way to take care of their own, I think that this problem will get much better. That's my view. Thank you, Commissioner. For what it's worth. Mayor Ryan. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chair, and thank you for this discussion. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm glad to hear that the legislature is willing to talk about affordable housing outside the context of rating Sadowski. Mm. Maybe perhaps their first step prior to legislating what we can do should have been to refund all the money they took uh, and diverted and then leverage that for bonding so that we could build affordable housing in partnerships that were meaningful in our community. Uh, second, I find it curious that uh, the survey of the communities 
appears to say that there has not been a lot of interest from the development community to take advantage of Live Local. And there may be a number of factors. One could be the, the relative uncertainty of what happens each legislative session and how predictable. It could also be the recognition that uh, simply jamming in a 30-story building in a outside a residential area uh, because it happened to be industrial at one point uh, just doesn't work for a community and they don't want that backlash either and it doesn't necessarily work. Uh, third, I, I would uh, adopt uh, Mayor Hardin's points. I think they're so well taken and I fear that that's where this legislation really is headed rather than in a, a collaborative and cooperative way. And there is no way for us as our own cities to quote unquote take care of our own because those who live here may work elsewhere, those who work elsewhere live here. So I uh, really, I think that this is problematic. I think the work that we do as a planning council should be to continue to monitor how, when this is invoked so we can understand where and when and what are the characteristics and be able to report back to the legislature that their efforts of inspiring either have failed miserably or have caused other problems that were unintended, and then they can just simply uh, write a check to refund the Sadowski. <laughs> <laughs> well stated, Mayor Ryan, thank you. Any further discussion on this? Yes, Commissioner Raley. I do think that the legislation that has been passed has had an effect on our housing market and not a positive effect. You mentioned seniors that are living in a community that they did afford at one time. Mm -hmm. And they, even up until two years ago, they could afford where they were living, had no intentions of ever moving. And then, of course, we had the Sunrise uh, tragedy. Surfside. Surfside, I'm sorry. Surfside. We don't tragedy. have tragedies in we Sunrise. Don't have, we sorry, only have celebrations. Right. I, I was thinking of you, Mayor. We are Ryan, that's why We're rainbows that. and unicorns. Thank you very I'm much. So, I'm sorry. There were no tragedies when Fern was mayor. Okay. So, and then we're talking about the insurance uh, rise. We're talking about reserves, funding reserves. Our seniors, our residents are hurting. It's not just, and we've always had it affordable housing issues. Yeah. We know every one of us agrees that yes, it is an issue. How do we get to where we need to go yeah. is the issue. Um, and I think uh, Live Local isn't quite the answer. But, uh, and I have to say, in our own city, at one point, we had a developer coming in to put uh, a uh, a warehouse type situation. They actually use the Live Local Act as leverage. If you don't, if you don't approve this, then this is what we're going to do. Absolutely. So it, it is a problem that needs to be recognized. Excellent points. Thank um, you. Again, we're not going to fix it today, but please bring it back to your municipalities. Make sure we're following it and, and track what's happening at the county level because I know they're looking at this very closely too. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate your report. Any, that was a great report. It was an excellent report. Thank you. Um, you have no executive director's report. I already heard. Is that correct? Well, just a couple of quick things. Oh, a couple of quick things. Very quick things. Mm -hmm. well, of course, welcome to Mr. Worthman. And happy birthday to Commissioner Castillo yesterday. Happy birthday, buddy. That's the power of social media. That's why I know. And I've been getting your driver's licenses, so I know. <laughs> 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 
Um, as a reminder, there's no meeting next month. Your next meeting will be April 25th. And then finally, we have one public hearing item uh, that needs to be heard prior to Ralph Stone's presentation, and that is the update, the biannual update of the wetlands map, and the staff recommends approval as well as no second public hearing. No one is signed in to speak on the item, and I will turn it back to you. Thank you, Madam Executive Director. Is there any uh, comments or any issues that they want to discuss on PH1? Hearing none, I'll entertain a motion. We have a motion from Commissioner Castillo, a second from Mayor Hardin. Further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes unanimously. Thank you very much. With that, thank you. We'll return to regular agenda item two, and I'd like to introduce uh, Ralph Stone, the Director of um, Housing Finance for Broward County. And he's going to give you an overview of the 10-year affordable housing master plan that was presented to the county commission this past Tuesday. Um, it was sent to you yesterday, a link to the report. And then uh, Ralph will, I'm sure, update you on this, but the county commission was, is planning on continuing its conversation on Tuesday, February 27th. Um, at 9 a.m. as in a workshop format to continue the conversation. But uh, Mr. Stone's going to give you an overview of the, uh, of the presentation and the recommendations that are being brought forward. Ms. Blake Boy? Yes, hi, Commissioner Fisher. Uh, actually, that, that workshop has been canceled on the 27th. Oh. We're gonna move it to a regular item on the March 7th meeting. Well, thank you, I'm Just so glad you're here. March thank you. 7th. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Mr. Stone. Uh, you had uh, half of my presentation, you just had the discussion. So I, <laughs> and I know you want me to move this very promptly. Uh, the, the PowerPoint presentation is one that we provided to the board at their workshop on December 5th, which was a, a pretty thorough, thorough overview of the draft of the plan at that time. And then as uh, Commissioner Fisher, Fisher mentioned, uh, uh, Dr. Murray gave a presentation of the plan uh, this past Tuesday. Uh, not much new in there if, if you were following what happened uh, at, at the workshop. I, I will do a, a Wolf Blitzer thing here and, and, and go to the breaking news. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of the Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies, uh, they just released a study, uh, which is their update, which they do regularly on uh, the rental market in the United States based on the most recent census data. And embedded in the study is an interactive map, and you can go online and pull it up and put your cursor on any county in the country. And so it, it's color-coded. The lighter the color, the, the, the less the problem. The darker the color, all the way up to very dark purple, the worse the problem is. There's only one dark purple in the country, and it's us. And if you click on it, it gives you the, the percent of renters in your area that are cost burdened, that are spending more than 30% of their uh, wages on housing. Uh, for us, it's 62%. Wow. There's not another area in the country that's over 50-something percent. Not, not Honolulu, not San Francisco, not Washington, D.C., not New York City. And that's simply because even though they have uh, uh, much higher costs of, of, of their, their housing, their wages are much higher. So it's the gap here. We have high cost of housing, we have low wages. So the, the other uh, kind of a, a companion data is Dr. Murray looking at the same update on the census. Uh, and this is kind of a sad statistic. Uh, 
prior to that, he, he had been, uh, he had found that about 75,000 households in Broward County were severely cost burdened. That means spend more than half of their income on housing. In the two-year period, that, that rolled up to 101,000, which is pretty shocking. And it's not because we had 25,000 uh, people of modest means come to Broward County and s saying, I, I want to live here even though I can't afford to. It's because the people that were here in cost burden, their cost of housing rolled right through their wage and now they're severely cost burdened. Y'all know this. Mm -hmm. It's happening in all your communities. It's happening to your employees. It's happening to my employees. And, you know, everyone has their own stories. We could go on forever with that. So I'm going to, I'm going to go very fast uh, on this PowerPoint. Uh, about a year ago, uh, after Dr. Murray had presented the updated housing needs assessment, which you all all received, uh, it didn't look good again. And the board directed uh, him uh, and engaged him to do a 10-year housing, uh, affordable housing master plan, which he spent the last year putting together a very vigorous stakeholder process. Originally, the contract called for three months of, of stakeholder outreach. It turned out to be the whole term of the contract. And uh, they did over uh, 60 stakeholder meetings. Cities, planning directors a couple of times, uh, the economic development professionals, the private sector, the nonprofit community, et cetera. So uh, it, it was a pretty rigorous effort. And what was interesting is everyone uh, agreed that this is a serious problem. Everyone was frustrated by how, how do we get there? It's just so intimidating. And Commissioner Castillo has been in, in the trenches in this for decades. Uh, and uh, the moving forward is, is just daunting. I do have some good news for you. Finally, uh, toward, when we get toward the end of this, uh, I'll, I'll share with you. Uh, but these are the, uh, uh, the items that Dr. Murray identified as, as the purpose of the plan. I'm not going to recite all these. Uh, you know, the plan is out there, you can look at it. Uh, not surprising, and, and really it's about, sh sh you know, the, the byline of the title of the document is a 10-year affordable housing master plan leading the challenge, sharing the burden, and that's kind of uh, directed both to the county commission and, and the private sector and all of the cities. So uh, that's what the effort is about. Uh, they just talked to you about the community engagement process. Uh, one, of the, one of the bright things, the good news that's happened, and not just in the county, but with many of the cities, is that uh, in, in 2018, prior to 2018, I had never received more than a quarter million dollars worth of general fund funding for affordable housing. In 2018, I was given $5 million to start a gap financing program. That was gobbled up and turned into to 100 units almost overnight. Since that time, in that six-year period, the board has allocated, as you can see, $123 million for gap financing, which turned into to 2,700 units. The good news is, in that second line, the Broward Housing Authority, Housing Finance Authority, which I also serve as executive director, has $100 million a year in bond allocation that we get from the state. It's kind of free money. And unless you have this gap money, the, the affordable development community won't come in and take advantage of it because you're still upside down even with low uh, interest rate and, and tax-exempt bonds. So that gap financing allowed the Housing Finance Authority uh, to, to issue uh, a whole new uh, tranche of projects for bond, with, uh, bond finance, and I'll, I'll update you with another slide here in, in a second, uh, which just changed the, the whole uh, market here as far as uh, the, the affordable developer uh, builders that were interested in coming to Broward. 
Then, of course, you had the Florida Housing Finance Corporation at 2,200 there, uh, their efforts uh, both in the 9% in the sale and in the uh, uh, other efforts they have. So uh, Walter Duke was, was kind enough to, to do this update on what that means in terms of economic impact. Affordable housing doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for the economy. It actually turns out it's good for the economy for the reasons he, he denotes there. Uh, construction value, uh, temporary jobs, new permanent jobs, and new money that circulates into the economy because people that previously couldn't afford to do anything other than pay their rent now have some money to spend on other, other activities. So here is the, uh, what has happened with the Housing Finance Authority, and this is just like the past 14 months. Um, let's see, that's 11, uh, 16 deals and a couple more. So we're, cl we're closing a bond deal uh, a month in Broward County. And that's usually a, a, a project between 100 to 400 units. It's all over the county. Uh, I've seen many of you at the ribbon cuttings. This is really good news. And uh, just so happens when we issue these requests for applications now, one of the things we give significant uh, bonus points for is if you have skin in the game from local government. For every million dollars you get from local government, you get five bonus points. We had a project last year, and I won't say the city, uh, but they actually com committed five million dollars uh, to the project when they submitted to us that 25 points, put them right at number one. You know, projects under construction now. Many of you have done that. Many of you have, have uh, dedicated uh, a land to the deal, uh, et cetera. So uh, it, it's not like the cities have been sitting back in the saddle uh, while Broward County's you know providing all of this funding. It, it's been across the board, and we thank you for that. Um, this is just a quick slide I put up there because the 15 Broward County is unique in the nation in the number of entitlement cities, which is any community over 50,000. We have 15 plus the county, that's 16. There's maybe two or three counties in the country that have that many big cities in their county. Uh, Orange County, California, and Boston area are one of the two. Uh, two. Uh, Miami-Dade, they've got like maybe two or three, which just means that the bucket's split up 16 ways. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, except that not one of us, including the county, from those three sources of funding, which total, uh, what, 430-something million, when you, when you use it on the, the, uh, the Sadowski and the, the ship-mandated set-asides, and then we split our stuff up among the smaller communities, and, and you do your minor home repair and your purchase assistance, you'll have a couple hundred thousand dollars left to do a gap financing deal. It doesn't happen. So that's why that gap financing that the board has put in place is so important. Uh, but at the bottom, at the end of the day, that money uh, all turns into affordable units because uh, even though it's uh, a rental or a home repair or purchase assistance, the, uh, the affordability period may be 10 or 15 years, unlike the 30 or 50 we're getting for the rental deals, but it's still units in, in the affordable bucket for a period of time. Uh, Y'all are familiar with what's happened in the market in terms of, of rental rates. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Uh, housing price is the same. Uh, but uh, we did ask Dr. Murray to break it down by municipality in terms of both single family need and uh, rental needs. And you can pick out, if you can read it, your community there. Uh, you know, at the high end, 
there's a deficiency of seven to eight thousand in the middle. It's around three thousand down at the bottom. It's you know uh, one thousand to five hundred units. Uh, in this case, uh, rental units deficiency. This doesn't list all the cities, but I can tell you there's not a city in the county that doesn't have deficiency in terms of affordable housing need. Nobody has what they need. Uh, so the total uh, close to 150,000 in rental need. Uh, this is this is a very, very kind of sobering uh, graph, and uh, what this shows is the top 10 industries in Broward County by employee count, and you can see uh, what those industries are. But if you look at the median earnings, there's only one that's not a service wage, which is around $40,000 a year, which is uh, what over half of every employee in Broward County is earning 60% of every median income. That's 40,000 bucks a year. That's 20 bucks an hour. You know, we celebrate when we get to 15 or 17 bucks an hour. That's sad. At 20 bucks an hour, people are, are just living in poverty in our community. We have a $2,500 average two-bedroom rent, and you're earning 40,000 a year. Even before taxes, you've got about 3,300 a month to live on. If you less out $2,500 from that $3,300, you got 800 bucks to live on. I mean, really, these people are living in poverty. That's why so many people are living with, are doubled up, tripled up, living with their parents, uh, doing whatever they can for for housing. Uh, we're generating a lot of jobs in Broward County. They happen to be in most of these industries. We're a service industry. We continue to be a service industry. We'd love to be Silicon Valley, uh, but you know it, it's a slow, tough process. So uh, speeding up here quickly, Dr. Murray recommended three uh, strategies uh, for help assisting in, in uh, uh, making some, some forward progress on affordable housing. Densification, y'all were talking about earlier, and he points out that uh, the areas in the county that already are will have activity centers, uh, the commercial corridors, and particularly the rail corridors are ripe for additional density, possibly. And there are recommendations further back in, in the document that uh, ask the Planning Council and all the cities to take a look at that. Uh, none of the recommendations, by the way, in the plan are requirements. The, the action that we took to the board uh, on Tuesday really was three. One was to accept the plan and direct the administrator to share it with the private sector and all of y'all and ask for your consideration of the ideas in there and any that you may think are, or may, be well, may well be better than those. Uh, secondly, and this was the probably the only significant action item, it recommended that the Board of County Commissioners um, amend their current policy on using expired tax increment financing for affordable housing from 50% to 100%. And then the third one was uh, to uh, basically uh, request the, uh, the Planning Council to look at the issue of, of uh, uh, focused uh, densification in the county. Uh, the legislative issues that we had in the document and I'm not going to go through all of these recommendations with you. You guys live this uh, all the time. Uh, but uh, the recommendations on program and policy were uh, some that you've seen before, some new ones, some that require legislative attention, which is going to be a stretch. Uh, but the uh, last piece of the recommendation was talking about 
uh, performance metrics and, and measuring what all of the communities and the county are doing annually toward uh, improving affordable housing conditions, whether it's funding, uh, whether it's creating bonus uh, density uh, that can lead to new affordable housing, uh, what, whatever the strategy and the method is, uh, we're going to be wanting to uh, track that and probably the housing council, which is kind of your peer council, will take on that responsibility and your staffs will, will get uh, in about a year this kind of, of uh, uh, request for information to see how it's going. Um, the last thing I would, I would mention to you is, and I, this, this is not a published document, this is not a piece of research. Uh, this is what I've, I've done to try and create some light at the end of the tunnel because it's been so dark for so long in, in Broward County in terms of affordable housing and continues to be. But uh, if, if the board acts on the expired TIF uh, over a 30-year horizon, that will generate between 35 and 40,000 new units. Uh, we know where we're at with the state and federal grants, which generates about 747, 750 units a year. That's not going away. Uh, we know what our, our state sale loans and our 9% deal set-asides are. We get a couple a year, about 370 units a year. And then I made some, some judgments about what Live Local might do. And I it very conservatively said, I think that'll generate 500 new units a year. That turns out to be like 16 new units per city for 31 cities. Pretty modest uh, estimate. And the same for the city's fair share. As we, you see that graph that said how uh, upside down, so to speak, all of the cities are in the county in terms of the need, another 500 a year, you know, 16 per city. And then the densification issue, the same 500 a year. That turns out to be uh, about 3,000 new units a year. Uh, but if you work that forward in 10-year uh, horizon, 34,000 new units, 20-year, 73,000, and over a 30-year horizon, 100,000. So it gets us to that 75,000 number, particularly related to severely cost burden and, and, and rental need. Uh, and I, I think it can stem the tide and reverse the tide over a long period of time. Uh, the only other couple things I'll mention, and then I'm going to stop, is that when we look at, for, take the county, for example, the expending of this uh, expired TIF. Um, right now, uh, let's, let's take where I'm at right now, 20 million a year the board allocated, uh, 9 million of expired TIF, 11 million of general fund dollars. That allows me absorb, to absorb the $100 million in uh, bond financing. So what do we get out of that? Uh, we, over the, the six years that we've been investing in gap financing, it turns out that the per unit subsidy has been about $46,000 a, a unit. When we started this, the, you know, the, the market told us it's going to be 75000 it's going to be $100,000. Uh, and it turns out it's been 46000 over 2,300 units. I rounded up to $50,000. We do a 30-year zero-interest loan on that, so the money is paid back. Much of it is refinanced at the midpoint, but it all is all paid back. So it's a long-term revolving loan fund. But what we require in terms of affordability period now is 50 years. If you take that $50,000 per unit over, because what you're buying is a unit for 50 years, 
uh, you end up paying $2.73 a day for an affordable unit. Who would not do that? No one would not do that. But coming to the table with $20 million a year out of your general fund or a couple of billion dollars over 30-year horizon, even though it's $2.73 per unit per day, is a whole different conversation. So uh, I want to thank all of y'all uh, for the, the effort that you're, you're putting into it in your own cities. This is really hard work. Uh, you know, I've been a city manager. I know what it's like uh, to try and balance service cost with, uh, with your revenues and your tax base. Uh, and you add this kind of uh, challenge into it, it's really, really hard. So uh, thank you for the opportunity and the time. If you have any questions, I'd be happy to address those. And uh, we'll be taking this back, as uh, Commissioner Fisher mentioned, to the board on the 7th. And uh, we'll see where they want to lead us. So thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Stone. Questions, comments for Ralph? Mr. Worthman. Thank you, Mr. Worthman. Further comments? Excellent Thank report. You, Thank you very much. Great we job. appreciate it. Great job, as always. <laughs> Ms. Blake Boy, anything else? Nothing further. Thank you. Okay, so again, we will not be meeting in March. Correct. We will be meeting in April and yet to be determined if we have a meeting in May, but we think we'll be able to cancel the May meeting, but we're not positive yet. Anything else for the good of the order? Hearing none, I heard a motion of adjourn. Yes. Well done.